since I've been out here working throughout the week. I hope everybody, you know, I hope everybody had a good week out there. Uh, here, oh man, this weekend, I'm telling you, um, it's going to feel like the uh, the middle of, of July is uh, what it's going to feel like. Um, yeah, we're going to be in the 90s. Uh, today, tomorrow, uh, Monday, sunny blue skies. So, uh, get outside and enjoy the outdoors, you know, safely. Now, this has been in the news before. And it comes back and forth in and out of the news when when uh, things are found out or, or discovered. And in this past week, talking about the residential school system that took place so many decades ago. And the discovery of 215 children's unmarked grave burial sites where the Kamloops Indian Residential School in BC was located. Residential schools, what do we know about their history? and how many, and how so many died. Just a little warning out there, ladies and gentlemen, that some of the, uh, these details may be disturbing. And in, in fact, they are disturbing. So what were residential schools? These were boarding schools for the indigenous children that didn't exist just to teach, teach them school subjects, but primarily to break their link to their culture and identity. Now, in a speech, 
by the first prime minister of Canada, John A. Macdonald. And in his speech, these were his words. When the school is on the reserve, the child lives with his parents who are savages. He is surrounded by savages. And though he may learn to read and write his habits and training and mode of thought are Indian, he is simply a savage who can read and write. It has been strongly pressed on myself as the head of the department, the Indian children should be withdrawn as much as possible from the parental influence. And the only way to do that would put them in a central training industrial schools where they will acquire the habits and modes of thought of white men. What a disturbing statement. The first prime minister of Canada, John A. Macdonald. See, the students at these schools were separated from their families, forbidden from speaking their own language or engaging in their culture practices, and many were uh, mistreated and abused. You know, ladies and gentlemen, see, the Aboriginal people were here in Canada long before we were. This is their land. We are guests here, as far as I'm concerned. And to take away somebody's culture and language and beliefs is appalling. It's disturbing. And when did they start these residential schools? The first residential school opened in Brantford, Ontario in 1831, before Confederation. Although there were a handful of schools run by missionary groups even earlier than that. I mean, I don't understand what the, you know, I mean, what, what were they trying to accomplish here? What they were trying to accomplish here is that the Aboriginal people, if, if they could take the young Aboriginal people away from their families. They didn't go to, to them and say, hey, you know, we got a really good school system here and we would like your children to come to our school system. No, that's not what happened. They took them.
Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. So this morning, um, you know, this has been in the news um, for some time now with the uh, residential school system um, here um, in Canada when it started so many decades ago. Um, and the first known uh, residential school here in Canada um, was in 1831. Now, what these residential schools were, um, it was a, uh, a place where the Canadian government at the time, the first prime minister of Canada, um, John A. Macdonald, thought it was best that these children were removed from their, from their families to be removed from their heritage and their culture, to remove from their language and placed in these residential school systems where they will acquire the habits and modes of thought of white men. Now, 1847, Egerton Ryerson, the Ryerson University in Toronto is named after this individual, was the superintendent of schools of Upper Canada and wrote a report recommending that the establishment of residential schools or, um, or uh, Aboriginal students in the province. Now, soon after this report in the 1850s, the Methodist missionaries established a number of, of such schools in Southern Ontario. Other schools were opened in British Columbia and the Northwest Territories in the 1860s. And the post-Confederation, the, 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 the federal government became more involved in residential schools in the 1880s and the number of schools expanded. It was a total of 139 resident, uh, residential schools were identified in the Indian Residential School Settlement Agreement. Though it doesn't include those run by provincial governments and those run solely by religious orders. There was, there was at least 150,000 First Nations, Inuit, uh, Metis children pass through these residential school systems. Over the history of this country, it is though the first prime minister You can say the first prime minister of Canada was a racist. White man comes to Canada. White man takes over the country. They didn't ask these families of our 
Aboriginal people or Indigenous people of Canada, they didn't ask them if they wanted to go to these schools. They took them forcefully at times. Now, over the, the decades, centuries of these schools, the residential school students were subject to physical and sexual abuse by staff. They were often malnutritioned or underfed and lived in poor housing conditions that threatened their safety. According to the re these reports, infectious disease like uh, uh, and with the flu, in addition to attending classes, students at many schools, they also had to perform chores to, to maintain the school and even sometimes do farm work to feed the school. And how many people died over this, over this period of time, as they know, and probably even more, they identified 3,200 deaths as part of its investigation. For one third of these deaths, the government and schools didn't record the student's name. For one quarter of these deaths, the government didn't identify the student's gender. And for around half, the cause of death wasn't identified. And these, mum, and these mum, uh, numbers may not include students who got sick and, and, uh, and were sent home, but where they later died. Or the METI students whose attendance at school wasn't funded by the federal government, but who may have died there. And due to the limitations in the records, it's probable that there are many student deaths that have not been recovered in the register because the record of the death has not been located. Wonder who has all this stuff, but maybe they didn't even keep any records. And only maybe for some. The indigenous children in residential schools died at a far higher rate than other Canadian children over the time. According to the report, many children died from infectious diseases, in particular with the flu, fires in school buildings, suicide, drowning, and other accidental causes. Where they were buried, the recent discovery of the unmarked burial sites containing 215 bodies at the site of the Kamloops Residential School in British Columbia, Canada, has highlighted how there is still a lot to learn about where these children are buried. This is just recent of these 215 bodies of these children were discovered at this residential school 
in British Columbia. You know, this is, you know, uh, you know, a history. It's a, it's a black eye. See, when I, growing up, going to school, we didn't learn about these residential schools in our history classes. And we did learn history about Canada. They didn't certain, they, they certainly didn't bring up that topic. I don't recall ever learning that through grade school, certainly not in high school. Now, more about this residential school system. Now, about these schools, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, this wasn't just, this wasn't, these weren't schools, you know, because back uh, back in the 1800s that, you know, the government want to, to, to give them a better education. No, they want to strip them of their identity. They want to strip them of their culture. They want to strip them of their language, their heritage. Because somehow, according to Sir A. Macdonald, the first Prime Minister of Canada, calling them savages is appalling. that they are going to learn and they're going to be like the white man. They took these children, they cut their hair. They took their, their, their traditional clothing and they'd have to wear shirts and pants and shoes. What were these schools in terms of the residential schools refers to the extensive school system set up by the Canadian government and administered by churches that had the nominal objective of educating indigenous children, but also more damaging and equality explicit objectives of indoctrinating them into Euro-Canadian and Christian ways of living and assimilating them into mainstream white Canadian society. The residential school system officially operated from the 1880s into the, into the closing decades, into the 21st century. 
20th century, the system forcibly separated children from their families. For expanded period of times and for forbid them to acknowledge their indigenous heritage and culture or to speak their own languages. Like I said, children were severely punished if these among other strict rules were broken. Former students of residential schools who have spoken of the horrendous abuse at the hands of the residential school staff, physical, sexual, emotional, psychological. I wonder what else lies under our history here in Canada. I want to talk about this today because this is this, you know, this has always been in and out of the news. We've had prime ministers after prime minister, you know, apologizing to the indigenous people about these residential schools. And for the survivors that they are going to help them. You know, I mean, even in, you know, right up to 1954, you know, these, these residential schools existed. Why weren't they shut down long before that? Knowing what these schools were about and allow them to continue on is appalling. Now, the early origins of residential schools in Canada, you know, it, it's found in the, um, in the mission system in the 1600s. The churches and European settlers brought with them the assumption that their own civilization was the pinnacle of human achievement. So they had to be like the white man because there was no other, there was no other way to be living. The Canadian prime minister, John A. Macdonald, who was the first prime minister of this country, he commissioned the journalist in, in, in the uh, uh, political the industrial schools of the, of the indigenous children. Now, see, John A. Macdonald, I don't know where he get his insights from or how he figures this is, um, the best way to integrate 
or change people. To, you know, he, he would study the industrial schools for indigenous children in the United States and recommend to follow the U.S. example of aggressive civilization led to public funding for the residential school system. If anything, it is to be done with the Indian. We must catch him very young. The children must be kept constantly within the circle of civilized conditions. In the 1880s, in conjunction with other federal assimilation policies, the government began to establish residential schools across Canada. Authorities would frequently take children to school far from their home communities. And part of the strategy, strategy was to alienate uh, them from their families and their surroundings. So they take them far enough away that they had no way of getting back to their families. In 1920, under the Indian Act, I don't even like even, even using the Indian, Indian Act, but that's what they called it back in 1920. It became mandatory for every indigenous child to attend a residential school and illegal for them to attend any other educational institution. So they, you know, they weren't going to, well, as we know, as the public school system. Oh no, the government had their own system, their own schools for indigenous people. And the living conditions at these schools, these residential schools, students, like they said, you know, so I guess for the boys, you know, they, they had their, their hair cut really short. They were dressed in uniforms and they were often given numbers and their days were strictly um, regimented by timetables. Boys and girls were kept separate and even siblings rarely, rarely interacted with one another. Further weakening family ties. Residential schools did not received the same education as the general population in the public school system. And the schools were um, um, sorely um, underfunded. But this was something that John A. McDonald wanted. And underfunding these schools. And the teaching focused primarily on practical skills. Girls were, were primed for domestic service and taught to do laundry, 
so cook and clean. Boys were taught carpentry. tinsmithing and farming. Many students attended class part-time and worked for the school for the rest of the time. Girls did the housekeeping, boys general maintenance and agriculture. This work was involuntary and unpaid, was presented to practical training for the students. But many of the residential schools could not run without it. With so little time spent in class, most students had only reached grade five by the time they were 18. And at this point, students were sent away. Many were dis discouraged from pursuing further education. Could you imagine that? So they never really got the learning that, oh, John A. Macdonald, the first prime minister, What were they teaching them? They wanted to break their bear. They wanted to break their language. They did not want the Aboriginal people to speak their language. It was about taking away their heritage. It wasn't to teach them math. It wasn't to teach them English. Writing. To keep them segregated away from as, as um, John A. McDonald would say, to keep him away from the white man, but he wants them to be like the white man. And the abuse at these residential schools was widespread, emotional, Psychological abuse was constant. Physical abuse was out of punishment. And sexual abuse was also con common. Survivors recall being beaten and strapped. Some students were shackled to their beds some had needles shoved in their in in um, in their tongues for speaking their native language. These abuse, along with overcrowding, poor sanitation, and severely inadequate food and health care, resulting in shockingly high death tolls. In 1907, government medical inspector reported that 24% of the previously healthy indigenous children across Canada were dying in residential schools.
and then the shift away from these schools. I mean, churches, a lot of the churches were running these schools, Catholic churches were running these schools. The Church of State officials of the 19th century believed that indigenous um, societies were disappearing and that the only hope for indigenous people was to convert to, to Christianity, to do away with their culture and became civilized British subjects in short, assimilate them. By the 1950s, the same officials were doubling the viability of such projects the devastating effects of the residential schools and the needs in the life experience of, an, of indigenous students becoming more widely recognized. The government also acknowledged that removing children from their families was severely detrimental to the health of the individuals and the communities affected. Do you think? It took them that long to figure that out from the 1800s to up to the 1950s to figure out how detrimental this is to their health and the individuals and in, in, in the communities. What the hell is wrong with this country? You know, the impacts not only from these residential schools, ladies and gentlemen, but in society it, it, in itself, you know, with, with our indigenous people of Canada, a lot still live on reservations. A lot live in the community. But the racism has always been there and is still there. And this is really unfortunate. and still being treated as as like they're like they're nobody when in fact they are somebody in healthcare in treatments I feel my first my my personal opinion is that they're treated differently in our healthcare systems, in our hospitals. Drugs and alcohol addictions. 
and we hear stories about how they are being mistreated in our hospitals. And it has to stop. These are human beings, as we all are human beings. I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're Asian, I don't care if you're Aboriginal. We are the same. Just because we have different backgrounds of where we come from. I am no better than anybody else. I'm not superior to anybody else because I'm white. That is absolutely ridiculous. And that's why, you know, these, 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 these groups, these, these white supremacy and all that BS. Racism is taught, ladies and gentlemen. Through generations after generations, whether they're racism against black, whether they're racism against Asians, whether it's racism against indigenous people, people from the Middle East, Who was wrong in this case when it came to the residential school system was the government. And for this to go from the from the mid 1800s and even before that and into the, into into the 20th century that's appalling. Right up into 1954. Now. With these 215 children, the indigenous children they had discovered in unmarked graves in Kamloops, British Columbia. How many more are they gonna find all across Canada?
how are they going to find out who they were? There'll be no record, more than likely, of who they were. Their name. Their age. Their gender. And the ongoing impact the residential school system is viewed by much of the Canadian public as part of a distant past disassociated from today's events and in many ways this is a misconception the last residential school did not close its doors until 1996. And many of the leaders, teachers, parents, and grandparents of today's indigenous communities are rental, are rental, are sorry, are residential school survivors. Although residential schools have closed, their effects remain ongoing for both survivors and for their descendants who, know, who now share in the intergenerational effects of transmitted personal trauma and loss of language, culture, tradition, teaching, and mental and spiritual well-being. Like I said, from prime minister after prime minister, always apologizing for the mistakes they've made along the way with our indigenous people of Canada. Apologies can only go so far. Eventually apology, you don't hear it anymore. Can only say sorry so many times. Action speaks louder than words. And the survivors of these residential schools, and not just on the residential schools, but for other mistreatments of our indigenous people, they demand justice and rightly so. You know, with the residential schools heavily uh, contributed to educational society, financial and health disparities between indigenous peoples and the rest of Canada. 
and these impacts have been intergenerational. And even the way they're being treated today on our Eastern seaboard here in Canada, the way the fishery is treating the indigenous people as though they don't have any rights. You know, it's, and it's and it's appalling the way that they were being treated by other uh, by, well, let's just call them the white man, because the white man was treating these Indian in, uh, uh, indigenous people, other who are fishers, uh, fishermen as well, treating them as though they had no rights. Apparently as I understood it, is that even in the off season, the indigenous people do have the right to fish for crab or, or whatever they're fishing for. And to see the way that they were treated was appalling. And these people should be ashamed of themselves. When it comes to when it comes to us, ladies and gentlemen, as human beings, we need to treat each other with respect. We need to stop and look around and seeing the harm that it does. We're not perfect, but we certainly can be a hell of a lot better. One of the largest, largest movements in history is this Black Lives Matter. And it is so important that it can, that, that continues. And then we see people, you know, with this pandemic, with this virus going on, and then we see people attacking Asian. It's not the Asians people's fault. It was all it's, it's it's almost like they 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 seek out to bring more hate. I don't think you know what I really don't even think the government of Canada back in the early eighteen hundreds. I don't even I don't even think they 
Well, maybe they did or it didn't. I don't even think they realized, you know, what the implications of this was going to be. All they wanted to do in, in their mind was to take these children from their families and integrate them into a, uh, a society of white culture. And what was white culture back in the 1800s? That basically, you know, we, we weren't going to have, you know, they, they, yeah, they would be Aboriginal, but they would soon lose speaking their language. They would, they would soon start to lose their heritage, you know, as, as to, as to basically, you know, we will just, we'll just wipe that right out of Canada. As far as I'm concerned, this land belongs to them. We are just visitors here. And the mistreatment of people, whether it was back in the 1800s and here we are in the 21st century. And the way we treat different cultures, different skin color. Today in the 21st century is just unacceptable. And when do we learn? When do we learn that enough is enough? The unfortunate thing here, too, is that George Floyd will not be the last victim of police brutality. And that's really sad. And for the indigenous people, all the struggles that they face every single day is going to continue. And that is really unfortunate. You know, I was brought up to re to um, to respect. I was in the public school system. I went to school with people who are black. I went to school with people who are Asian. And we're friends. and Aboriginal. 
when I hear and I, and, you know, when I read this, you know, how, how disturbing and appalling that this is. And hopefully I can find this one again. Now for some of you um, that are coming onto the show right now, hope I can find it here. Now, at the beginning of, of, of my show here, um, I read this, I read this speech. 1883, this was the speech in the House of Commons by the first Prime Minister, John A. Macdonald. When the school is on the reserve, the child lives with its parents who are savages. He is surrounded by savages. And though he may learn to read and write, his habits and training and mode of thought are Indian. He is simply a savage who can read and write. It has been strongly pressed on myself as the head of this department that Indian children should be withdrawn as much as possible from their parental influence. And the only way to do that would be to put them in central training industrial schools where they will acquire the habits and modes of thought of white men. Those were the words of the first prime minister in Canada, John A. Macdonald. Now that doesn't make you sick to your stomach. I don't know what does. That is just flipping appalling. I'll leave that thought with you, ladies and gentlemen. But thank you for joining me this Saturday morning. From wherever you are around the world, I thank you. Here in Southern Ontario, it's going to be a beautiful sunny day. It's actually going to be really hot, so stay cool. Drink lots of fluids. We're going to be in the high 90s. And I will be back out tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And we'll talk about hopefully some happy news, you know, because this is, you know, I had to bring this out because, you know, to give, you know, to give some people, you know, some history of Canada, but, you know, this was necessary to talk about.
and we have a long ways to go. And there's, and you know, this is far from over with these residential schools. This is far from over with the 215 children discovered in these unmarked graves. This is not over. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Take care, be safe, and thank you, and enjoy your weekend.